Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. Okay, um, welcome to the ODI Friday lunchtime lecture on Friday 17th of December. It's the Christmas lecture, I've got lights and everything. Um, and we're really, really delighted to welcome, I think for the third Christmas running, some artists who whose work connects to our Data as Culture art programme in many, many ways, but we're not actively involved in this project. So Careful Networks is a project which has been initiated by Phoenix in partnership with BOM, Furtherfield, the Photographer's Gallery, Quad and Vivid Project. So an incredible group of people with an incredible group of artists. And I'll hand over immediately to Mateus Domingos, who has been the lead curator on the project, and he's going to take us through it. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, Hannah. Um, so yeah, firstly, I'd like to thank uh, the ODI, Hannah and the team for inviting us to talk to you today about our project, Careful Networks, uh, and also Freya for looking after the call today. Um, yeah, and thanks to you all for joining us and taking some time out of your day to do so. Um, I'm Matthias. I'm a producer at Phoenix, which is a cinema and gallery in Leicester. Our programme explores the creative and cultural impact of new media and technologies, offering ways of looking at our rapidly changing, offering new ways of looking at our rapidly changing world. Um, I have an interest in peer-to-peer -peer and in particular projects like Beaker, which make it relatively accessible to experiment and enact the relationships and modes of existence that peer-to-peer -peer prompts. More recently, I've been interested in how this folds into ideas of computing within limits and shared ecologies. Uh, supported by Arts Council England, Careful Networks is a project initiated by Phoenix in partnership with BOM, Furtherfield, the Photographer's Gallery, Quad and Vivid Projects. Um, I should also mention I'm in, a, I'm in the building at the moment in the gallery space, so there might be some background noise uh, like people coming in like they just did. Uh, so sorry about that. Um, so yeah, the artists that participated in the project um, are Larissa Blazik, Daniel Sean Kelly, Nisa Khan, Rhiannon Lowe, Emily Milanga, Antonio Roberts, Ailey Rutherford, Christopher Samuel, Samir Saunders, Shinji Choi, Nai Thompson, and Lily Wales. And the website was built by Tom Sanson. Um, I'm also really pleased to share that there are two more artists joining the network this month, uh, Nick Murray and Linda Stuppart. Uh, they're both producing iterative works that will be updated over the next few months and explore local ecologies, waterways, and gift giving. Uh, today, I'm delighted to be joined by Larissa and Ailey to talk about the work they've created for the network. Shinji has also provided a pre-recorded video discussing his work. Uh, but first of all, I'll just describe a little bit more about the project, and then I'll hand over to the artists. Uh, so with the help of our partner organisations, we brought together this network of artists and commissioned them to create works that would exist on a temporary peer-to-peer -peer network. Um, the, peer, the, the project involves thinking about the way we experience the internet and engaging with some of the concepts around peer-to-peer -peer centralized and decentralized networks. Our commissioned artists explored this in a workshop with the brilliant uh, South Korea-based artist Taeyun Choi, whose project, The Distributed Web of Care, shaped our thinking about this project. And I'm gonna suggest a couple of definitions now. Um, so that we can just have a shared understanding during this session. And it's not gonna be the most technical of descriptions, but hopefully is enough uh, for us to identify in some way the terrain that we're dealing with. 
So generally when we're online, we use relatively centralized platforms. Uh, if you think about our like, social media, uh, streaming uh, video, uh, email, that kind of thing. So we're making requests on our computers and phones that travel to servers, which process those requests and send some information back. Generally, these services happen on servers that we don't have access to. It's hard to know much about them, where they are, what powers them, how they treat their employees, what was on the land before they were built there, or what happens to our data once it is there. The centralization of these services is becoming more tangible as the increased fragility of this leads to more common outages, like when Twitter or Instagram goes down for a few hours or a day. And often it's several platforms at once as they are also interdependent. Peer-to-peer -peer web indicates transfer of information or network that isn't built around centralized nodes so much, um, but in which each node has its own copy of the information or part of the information. So it's more decentralized, more distributed. Messages can be passed along peer-to-peer. -peer. If one peer is unavailable, the information is sought from another peer. The information is still passing through the same infrastructure, though, the same cables, the routers, etc. It's just following a different set of rules. So we explored this using some software called Beaker that uses a peer-to-peer -peer internet protocol called Hypercore. Beaker allowed our artists to create and host works on a peer-to-peer -peer network. The works are only accessible at times when someone has intentionally decided to make them available. So when someone visits the peer-to-peer -peer Careful Networks exhibition, they're essentially visiting the computer of one of the artists or another visitor who has taken on the act of caring and hosting the work. And they know that at that moment, the hosting is intentional. So this feels very different to much of the web that we've become used to using. The nature of these networks is that they are malleable, personal, impermanent, and mutable. With Careful Networks, we've created a space for a collaborative act of care and stewardship as each artist was hosting the work of another artist. Hopefully the network provides a moment of disentanglement from usual habits and space for conscious actions and reflection. The project has also provided us with a fantastic opportunity to explore and create low energy approaches to the creation and distribution of work. Artists were working within a restricted file size of just two megabytes and pages had to be built without drawing on external resources or requiring additional computing. And also to touch on the use of care in the project, um, the much referenced definition by Bernice Fisher and Joan Tronto is worth mentioning again here. On the most general level, we suggest that caring be viewed as a species activity that includes everything that we do to maintain, continue and repair our world so that we can live in it as well as possible. That world includes our bodies, ourselves, and our environment, all of which we seek to interweave in a complex life-sustaining web. And so this grounding allows us to consider the more than human, the stuff which, uh, as you see, Shinji in particular explodes, the choreography of the screen, which Larissa shows us, and the human-to-human -human networks and actions that Ailey traces. It's the materiality of it all, which is tangible and effective. And I encourage everyone to visit the project website if you're able to. Um, you can view the peer-to-peer -peer version, uh, but if you're not able to see that, we've also uploaded an archive mirror of the network, which should work in most browsers. 
So hopefully that's provided a bit of context and I'll hand over to our first artist that's going to talk to us today, uh, Larissa. Hi, hello everybody. Uh, first of all, let me just turn on the um, the screen and the background and everything. Hello everybody, my name is Larissa Blažić. Um, I'm a London-based um, artist and, and uh, academic and um, um, Margaret called me once a feminist hacker, so I kind of like to use that label when I'm introducing myself. Uh, firstly, I would like to thank uh, Open Data Institute for, for having us all here, uh, Hannah and, uh, and the whole uh, FAB team over there. Um, I would like to also thank Matthias as well as Furtherfield, who, who, who is responsible for my, who are responsible for my um, contribution here partially, besides me being responsible for it as well. Um, so I have about five minutes to tell you a little bit about um, the work that I, that I created for this commission. And uh, so I'll read a little bit, but I'll also try to kind of uh, um, uh, uh, riff off the script as well, uh, if that's okay. Um, so let me just... Uh, Mm -mm, just time myself. This is self self timing exercise. Um, so um, kindly bend bend tweezers is a small collection of HTML pages exploring what is comfort and comforting in broad terms. It is image, uh, imagining the uh, careful network as a place where ease and relief are abundant. Uh, borrowing the name from uh, Herbert G Gunther's translation of Trilogy of Finding Comfort and Ease, a Buddhist uh, um, publication, uh, it wants to point out and encourage kindly, mildly loving and caring ways. Uh, in the absence of P2P network um, CO2 measurement, all pages have been tested via con con conventional uh, web server um, me me measuring website uh, for carbon put footprint uh, called Carbon Calculator, uh, which should provide for minimum energy consumption via Beaker Network, thus minimizing burden of co-hosting. Um, the work um, this is I kind of uh, uh, when when the invitation came about, um, I was kind of I think depleted completely uh, from all the cre cre creativity um, brought about the, um, the life that we live. And so the work is fueled by the need to self-soothe, uh, but also offers some form of comfort to all who host and visit pages, I hope. Uh, this is my hope and, in, and, and, and kind of a wish. A visual coping me mechanism to apparent intolerable situations we find ourselves in these days. And this is not to say that these pages are a form of escapism, but a necessary space or spaces where we can step away to recharge and then re-engage with the outside world with renewed resolve to care, transforming adversity to courage and joy. Um, these pages are inspired by Pirate Care Syllabus Project 
and the actual little little icons that are kind of a um, jumping from one side of the page to another and kind of continuously expanding uh, until they uh, uh, um, get out of your browser. <laughs> I don't know whether anybody man managed to do this. Um, uh, they actually come straight from or are inspired by the way Pirate Care uh, syllabus was, the, the website was created. So I found as I was reading through their materials, I found these little text icons, uh, which then I could uh, use a little bit of piece of JavaScript to kind of embed in, in pages and create this uh, animation. Uh, and it was rather nice to think how small a file size can be uh, because this was a browser-based work. Um, so I was using HTML, CSS, and tiny little bit of JavaScript. Um, uh, the, 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 the smallness of size became a sort of a focus of, of the work. And you can, you can create the really small, small, small file size while still kind of hopefully retaining communication qualities uh, of the work. Um, and uh, to maybe close or, or, or at least try to close and kind of uh, think about what was, uh, what was interesting for me in relation to peer-to-peer -peer networks and how this can benefit uh, the arts uh, going forward um, is that the, in my kind of thinking about it and, and, and researching about the peer-to-peer -peer concept and technologies, I mean, it's, it has been something that I'm aware of and, and po possibly because I was um, engaged in browser-based experimentation since the 90s, I was having a sort of a, um, uh, I suppose it's still a romantic notion of how we can do this all together and how we can uh, support each other in the in the whole process. But the, but both peer-to-peer -peer concept and computation have been explored by many artists in in order to demystify technology as well as encourage thinking about power, trust, collectivity, and um, ephemerality in our own practices and and beyond. And depending on the motivation, this format carries potential for myriad of experiments in cooperation and resource sharing as community building practice, providing further evidence and strengthening argument for care and mutual stewardship and support as basis of all of our exchanges. And this is, I think, five minutes for me on the dot. <laughs> so I hope you, you will enjoy the web pages. Thank Perfect. you. Thank you, Larissa. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, next I'll queue up um, the video from... Oh, the, Ailey, would you like to go next? Is no, that's fine. I just put my thing on because I thought it's fine. No, do the, other, do the video. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So we'll have... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll play the video from Shindy. Okay. <laughs> Hi, my name is Shinji Toya. Uh, I'm a digital artist based in London. 
for years I've been working on visual generative art with online participation approaches. I've been working critically with the issues of data economy for a while, uh, but on the side I've been researching some aspects of media materiality for a few years. For the commission of careful networks, I worked on two browser-based artworks with the support of Phoenix, the photographer's gallery, and another participating artist, uh, Nye Thompson. The works explored the relationship between the materiality of my obsolete laptop and the ecological and environmental aspects related to the materiality. And the commission ended up prototyping materially evocative interface and front-end design while making the works. And this was done to make visible the reality of the media materiality of the laptop. Also, the two works were made in two different parts of the commission. In the first part of my commission, I worked on this work called MyObsoleteMacBook.net. On the website page, you see the image of my Apple laptop with some text on the screen. In a way, the page acts as an interactive peer-to-peer -peer database for the materiality of my laptop. By clicking through some text chunks, you can retrieve some information concerning the materiality of the laptop and its ecological implication. As follows, I list some of the pieces of the material data you can find on the page. The material components of the device model and the rare earth elements possibly used for it. The repairability score of the device provided by a DIY repair website called ifixit.com where the score is 1 out of 10. The description regarding how the model's battery is unfit for recycling due to a design feature. The information concerning what may happen if the device ended up in a landfill as e-waste and how long it may take for some components to decompose. Also a statement that e-waste might cause pollution and health hazards among the workers who handle e-waste. As the viewers learn about the information, the page asks the viewers to host the peer-to-peer website page on their computer so that the image of the laptop and its material reality can prolong its visibility on the peer-to-peer -peer network. But paradoxically, the obsolete presence of the device could disappear into a landfill one day and be forgotten, at least in a hypothetical scenario, since I have no immediate plan to discard the device. Broadly, the cultural erasure of obsolete devices seems to be happening ubiquitously and it seems to be sustained partly because of the immaterial image of the cloud. And there are the accelerating techno-capitalism and its growth and they provide the erasure. So the work's invitation to host the page could be interpreted as an invitation to resist erasure. Even though the resistance is kind of futile, 
I hoped it creates a space to start thinking about the need for alternatives to the existing techno-capitalism ideology and operation. Because the operation is exploitative of various kinds of resources and unsustainable, as we know. I made the work with the emphasis on materiality in response to the condition of the peer-to-peer -peer web, where your computer can become a data server and materially visible. This condition differs from many instances of the existing commercial internet services provided in the server client model, where data centers are remotely located and not openly accessed, especially in terms of material and ecological aspects. Now I'd like to talk about the second work. In the second work, I expanded on the aspect of geologic temporality found in relation to the research of the materiality of the laptop. The second work is a prototype of a browser dashboard that counts down 4.54 billion years from October 2013. This is the date when my laptop was produced, and 4.54 billion years ago the Earth was formed, and then it took billions of years for the Earth to compose the elements to make digital devices and the networked communication structure today. So this gives a very rough, sort of uh, extrapolated timeline for when the Earth may or may not recompose the laptop materials. The dashboard will make the sound of a stone drop in every minute once it's launched. It reminds the material relation between the laptop, other devices and the geologic timescale hidden behind our digital lives. There are many different thoughts put into the idea of this prototype, but the main aim of it is to experimentally bring the material reality of devices and slowness into the realm of our habitual perception. Here I question whether this kind of front-end function could affect our perception habitually and then change our cosmological attitude towards our environment in order to care for it. In other words, this questions whether this modulated perception can help us move away from the extractivist ideology of techno-capitalism by cultivating different habitual relations with things. These are my thoughts and thanks for listening. Yeah, so thanks to Shinji, that was uh, his talk. Um, Ailey, are you okay to talk about your work? Yeah. Cool, thank you. Um, hi, yeah, so I'm Ailey Rutherford. I am an artist based in Glasgow. Most of my work um, is usually quite social and collaborative practice, although I uh, work a bit with um, new digital technologies. I've recently been doing quite a bit of collaborating with technologists and recently working as a curator for the Wired Women Festival with Neon Digital Arts Festival in Scotland. Um, 
So it felt to me like the Careful Networks Commission came at a point when the thing that I needed most was time offline. So much of the work that I do is about the co-creation of systems that run counter to the dominant narratives of capitalism, building and maintaining networks that allow us to care for each other and to create together. But after more than a year of most of that work happening online, experimenting with possible ways of using technology to build and maintain those networks, the thing that I found myself really craving the most <laughs> was time with people in real life. And also some time to reflect on what we were doing with all this tech, this over-reliance on mega corporations like Zoom and Google. So I basically took the commission as an opportunity to do some drawing in pencil <laughs> and a bit of writing and some thinking about how we might take more care with technology. So often when I tell people that I don't use social media very much, that I avoid Zoom, that I boycott Google whenever possible, that I'm not on Instagram and that I've never used WhatsApp, they call me a Luddite and maybe they'd be right. So the term Luddite has come to mean people who fear or don't understand technology. A continuation of the capitalist mantra that anyone who doesn't turn a blind eye to exploitative labour practices and an extractive economy is just slow on the uptake. But the Luddites weren't afraid of technology. They just cared deeply about the way technology was being deployed and understood the wider implications and cycles of exploitation inherent in industrialisation. Women spinners in Scotland threatened to set the mills on fire because they cared. And throughout the COVID pandemic, it feels very much like artists, activists and community organisers have been increasingly stripped of our means of production, really struggling to find new ways to connect and care for each other. And many have turned to big tech as the solution. But trying to build a new inclusive system of care on platforms owned by rich white venture capitalist men just felt counterintuitive to me. I've spent a lot of this last year or so building new connections with feminist coders, hackers and technologists, searching for new allies, trying to learn how to care better in distant relationships built through and mediated by technology trying to work out how to balance a lot of rage with love, getting it wrong and trying again. Trying hard to find new ways to really care for and love each other in a world driven by individualism and competition. And continually coming back to this question of how to best use the new technologies that are available to us. How to know when technology is most useful, but also when it's not and remembering not to rely on it. The thing that really excites me most about all of the conversations that I've been part of recently um, are the conversations about multiple feminist internets. I'm fascinated by the idea of a data commons and how we consent to what we share. The many ways that women are collectively building a feminist toolkit, tools to dismantle the patriarchy and tools to repair the damage. So I've seen a series of radical approaches for transforming digital spaces, people subverting existing online space, building new platforms, community internets and systems with a code of conduct based on mutual respect as a first point of contact. And I think um, the thing that across all of this work, it seems to me that the commonly agreed elements of a feminist internet are for platforms and networks to prioritise care and inclusivity and transparency with the digital commons as central, 
one where we own our own data as a common resource, a resource that will be held by ourselves and that will only used when it's needed for an agreed collective good and it will never ever be sold back to us. So I've completely forgotten to time myself, but hopefully that's somewhere around the five minutes. <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant, Ailey. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, uh, thank you all for yeah talking about your, your work. Um, not sure if, I think we're going to kind of open that for discussion and like questions. Um, Oh, I think you're on mute, Anna. Sorry. Sorry, we're all a bit Christmas, aren't we? This keeps happening today. Um, I was just saying, if anybody watching has got any questions, please drop them in the chat. I'm going to take the uh, privilege of being the one with the mic at the moment um, and ask a question myself. So um, I really responded to um, the way that you're all collectively turning the technology conversation away from the the promise of the advertising, which is all around the future and looking back into deep time time, and looking back into dismantling um, you know, certain systems that have become baked into these technologies. I'd wonder if you could just expand a bit on why that matters, why that feels so urgent. Matthias, if you could start and maybe if Ali and Larissa can jump in, that would be great. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm happy to start in this. Yeah. You start. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I asked everyone to do it. So. Um, yeah. Because um, it feel. I mean, there's so much, it, it's such like a difficult thing to start looking at and start understanding. So finding um, something like Beak that was like, uh, it's like a thread you can follow and start to kind of pull it apart a little bit. That's like a, um, it's, that felt like a really nice way in to, um, yeah, giving us some space to, to think about these ideas or even like start to, to find a space where, yeah, you can share that space with other artists and people and have like a, a shared language to, to talk about these things. Um, Do you feel like you've had to build a language or are you building on existing languages or histories? Um, I think practically like in the workshops in particular, because um, everyone's like it has different experiences and um, understandings. I feel like each time we're kind of making up something new and like always um, talking quite loosely about it and it's, uh, bits that are quite performative or um, metaphorical or imagined um, and that feels okay and <laughs> useful um, yeah thank you. you Ali would you like to comment to that um, point yeah Ailey, I mean, sorry. I'm just, yeah okay um yeah I just think that um so I'm in Glasgow and we just had the whole COP circus in town quite recently, um, which, yeah, was a bit of a circus, but also, you know, did, did kind of, did raise particular conversations, at least temporarily, <laughs> in the city. And, I, you know, I just think that, um, 
I, I just don't think we can kind of carry on with this promise that the sort of technocratic solutions proposed to us are the answer. I think, you know, that also so much of the conversation on the ground, certainly, and, and the, the conversations around the sort of central cop stuff where we're very much looking at um, the climate crisis as a colonial issue and the exploitation, like our um, exponential consumption in... Um, you know, the global north or in the west and the impacts of that on the global south. I just, you know, I think we can't, we just can't keep consuming or using technology in the way that we do. And it's just, it's impossible. We can't ignore that on any front. And, I, you know, I just, I, I, I feel like that's so important. Just listening to Lou, um, Shin, Shinji, am I saying his name right? Mm-hmm. Um you know, watching that video, um, yeah, I just think it's really, it's really, really important that we kind of maybe, there's a, there's some really urgent problems that we need to solve, but in some ways we need to solve them by slowing down a little bit, at least slowing down our consumption, <laughs> speeding up our actions, <laughs> maybe, speeding, like, organising collectively more and with more energy, meanwhile, slowing down the consumption, and that includes our kind of digital consumption as much as anything, doesn't it? So I, I feel like it's that as much as anything. Yeah, it feels like, um, maybe Larissa, you can come in on this, but it feels like at a point where um, we were all at home for a long time and many art exhibitions didn't happen. And then there was suddenly a flurry of things happening but yet we've got this constant ricochet of people being told to stay in, go out, stay in, go out, stay in. It makes me really raise questions about the future of exhibitions. So I don't know if Larissa, if you'd like to think about the relational aspects between an audience member and work that's created in the context of a careful network that has, I think, I don't know if it's clear to everyone, but this work wasn't necessarily, isn't available in exactly the same form it was made in already. It's already archived on the Careful Web, Careful Network's website, isn't it? So, so it's kind of time limited, and it's not forever and ever and ever held in one particular way. It's so it's uh, yeah. Could you talk a bit more about the relationships required to make this happen? Yes. Um, well, I, I was. Uh, I, I think I've arrived to conclusion recently that there's no more. You know, forget about normal. Let go. The sooner we let go of normal, the better. <laughs> uh, um, and this includes the, how the, the, the art is being, you know, produced, consumed, um, uh, uh, or participated in uh, at the same time. And to kind of maybe pedal backwards to your previous question, um, there are there is a lineage of technologies and artistic experimentation with technology that that always had these kind of concerns uh, front and center. Um, it is maybe now a good good time to uh, you know look at all all of these uh, uh, like. A, um, amassed, amassed ideas, knowledge, and experiments and experiences, which are which are useful f- uh, to 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 really look at and uh, maybe emulate um, everything from uh, free software culture and practice uh, to some more um, uh, uh, more out there ideas about how how we can uh, you know 
um, re-engage uh, with um, arts, culture, and and with with each other at the same time. Um, Can you talk through some specific projects, just for people who might not know those histories so well? Yeah. Um, well, I'm kind of as a as a as a further field uh, as a further field. Uh, uh, um, how, the what am I? Uh, I'm, Hello? I'm, well, fellow, yeah, I guess. Collaborator, yeah. <laughs> artist. Yeah, uh, comrade, uh, maybe. Uh, uh, you know, their work on, on doing, doing things with others kind of uh, 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 has been, uh, or Diwo, Daiwo, um, has been like a long-standing beacon of, of, of light for, for many of us. Uh, um there's, I mean, there's so many examples. I'm also at the moment. I'm thinking about Femke Snelting and her work on, on various uh, like a free software slash feminist examinations of servers and what does it mean to serve and how does it operate and all of these sort of things. Uh, maybe, um, what else? What else? Um, oh, that's too many. The the, the you know the. The, the whole bunch, uh, Berlin bunch, there's a, a critical engineering group who have been kind of opening up and kind of investigating the politics of technology, including everything else, the kind of the, all of the... Um, um, and then now lately, there is this whole focus on AI and, and how um, uh, if we are not careful and we are you know, the, the people who are careful seem to be in minority. <laughs> um, uh, well, it certainly feels from the artists we're working with in Data's Culture, ODI, that there's people have got a little bit frustrated with, with the assertion that the system is broken, but really just want to say, yeah, it, it just needs to be rethought altogether. The problem isn't scaling up. The problem is that it's just... Yeah, we need there are many, many positions we need to start again from in this system, which I think you've all kind yeah. of referred to. I don't know if you want to jump in, Elio. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's just um, it's having a really interesting conversation just last week about people's feeling that there's a lack of alternatives out there. And actually, I think often there are more alternatives than people are aware of. Right. It's just that we're so bombarded with, um, you know, I don't actually think that that many people um, know that there are other video, really good video platforms that you can use that aren't Zoom. Um, <laughs> you know, like, and um, I was at a, you know, a meeting recently that was very specifically about building it, it kind of at a local level kind of alternative economic models to the ones that the, um, the local council are pushing and, you know, quite, quite radically anti-capitalist. And yet the people who were joining remotely were on Zoom and I was sort of suggesting some other platforms on it. But I just think that people are, I think people feel stuck an awful lot of the time, don't they? You know, like, um, how do you, you know, like if there's so many people doing really amazing work on the, like things like feminist servers and all these other kinds of things. But I just feel like, and maybe things are becoming easier to use, you know, but like we've got so used to like everything having to have a shiny, shiny interface that as soon as it mm. doesn't have a shiny interface, people are like, oh, I can't use that. 
Well, that's what really struck me about Shinji's work, actually, is this thing that he takes the laptop, which is like this icon of future shininess, and mm. he sort of made it muddy and he made it earthy. And I thought that was really exciting. I mean, can I ask you all um, to each answer what you hope that a visitor who's not involved in these conversations, who just comes across the work through the Careful Networks archive and website, what's the thing that you hope it might, you know, the change it might bring about in them to be able to consider these questions with you? Maybe I'll start with um, Ailey, because you were speaking. Right, just to try and... <laughs> off the top of my head thank you um well I guess I feel like there's just a there's you know it's oh you know sometimes it's just about trying to increase the sort of uh, like kind of critical thinking around what we're doing um and why we need to think critically about our digital lives and ethically about our digital lives as much as um any other aspect of our lives in this sort of um I guess that thing that I was saying about building trying to build systems of care on platforms owned by rich white venture capitalist men it just feels like bullshit really um but you know um I feel like the more and more stuff that is kind of out there that tries to kind of explain that in all its kind of all the different ways that's important and in ways that are kind of visual and fun to access. That's a good thing, you know. I, I, yeah, yeah, I think the more we keep experimenting with the alternatives, the, the better. Thank you. Larissa, would you like to add, you know, what somebody who's a non-specialist, who's not part of the sort of hacker community tech community just comes across this work where do you hope it will take them um can you just repeat the question sure i'm just wondering how somebody you know down the rabbit hole of the internet who comes across the careful networks archive and encounters this work for the first time what are you hoping they will take away from this work how do you hope it will influence their their, their lives. Right. Well, first of all, I hope it's going to inspire them to think it's not that hard mm. to involve yourself in alternative te te technical kind of uh, uh, tools, I suppose. Um, uh, I just pasted the link from Varia Collective in Rotterdam, who have fantastically co-created a beautiful long list of non-extractive non platforms and alternatives mm -hmm. to all these things that we um, kind of by inertia kind of uh, dive into. Um, and uh, I think this is one of the things is that kind of if we manage to continuously and with, with full commitment communicate that with just a little more patience uh, and, and, and kind of um, um, articulated or kind of like articulated intention that we ourselves want to uh, engage with this in a way that is... Um, uh, um, kind of positive, let's call it, uh, uh, for the lack of a better word, or, or maybe I'm trying to avoid all the jargon that, that we are that we are using all the time to kind of explain all the problems with technology. Um, 
uh, and and I mean, this is something that I kept on thinking about all over the last two years. You know, um, if we honestly step forward and say, you know, our, our motivation is to 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 be. Um, I don't know. I'm just maybe so naive uh, to, to be good and have a positive impact. And, and with this, reassure ourselves and others that things are going to be OK if we want them to be OK. Um, that I hope that in 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 that context, uh, our, our art projects can also exist and uh, and hopefully communicate this kind of benevolent kind of a wish to be benevolent in the world rather than to mm. constantly damage and and um, destroy and exploit and uh, blah, all that stuff that yeah. none of us really, I don't think, here wants. Thank you. Matthias, would you like to add something to that? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, yeah, definitely echo what um, Haley and the rest of us are saying. Completely agree. Um, and, and yeah, I'm really hopeful that it's that kind of space that if someone does uh, happen upon it, it gives them enough to start exploring these other parts of the internet and um, yeah, kind of gives them enough if enough bits to go off and start exploring um, yeah, like alternative protocols and mm. um, things like web rings and uh, yeah, like, <laughs> sorry what's a web ring well the web ring is kind of how the the network is laid out at the moment with it um the works moving around between the artists and it's like a very low tech um approach to websites that has been around since websites have been around um but has recently become more popular again with artists and communities um and all kinds of people who are building their own websites, using it as a way of, um, yeah, avoiding these bigger platforms and, and kind of building their own thing. Um, because, yeah, it's just a nice way of, on this page that you've created, you have all these links to these other pages that other people have created. And it's not, um, yeah, it's not going to the, into these systems that you're not part of or, um, uh, just like exploitative to you or things it's like your friends or uh, things that you want people to be a part of um, so yeah that but that but that kind of thing it's like it's really good um, but it is something that um, as simple as it is requires a little bit of technical know-how and mm -hmm. knowledge and even if that's just yeah seeing the word webbering and then searching for that it's going to lead you um, towards that. Um, yes. I mean, also, uh, something I find very appealing about it is, of course, we're all aware, uh, I'm not going to comment on my views on this, but the whole NFT conversation, the whole sort of like AI and machine learning and massive software installations, many of which are superb and extraordinary. But it's been really interesting for all of us who've been working with software and media art for most of our careers and are aware of the very rich histories which Larissa referred to, to see um, that there's so much very high tech, very consumptive stuff sort of getting the, uh, the strongest attention from an art world that didn't necessarily pay much attention to the history until now. And, and I think it's really interesting um, to make this argument for smaller scale 
less resource heavy, more reflective, backward looking in a really ecological and connective way. I find that really fascinating. Oh, we've got um, something from Ailey. Oh, another thing that Ruth Catlow has done. Yes. Yeah. There's I was... some really wonderful links in the chat um, for any audience members that the artists have been dropping in. Sorry, Matthias. Oh, I was just going to say the same, like, yeah, for a really considered and uh, historic uh, look at like blockchain and NFTs. Yeah, the work that Ruth and Mark at Furtherfield have done is, uh, yeah, can start at a better place. Um, obviously, yeah, it's difficult to look at that uh, with where we are now, but um, yeah. Great. And what do you hope, we've got a few minutes left, can I just make sure that if, I haven't seen any questions in the chat from people who are watching, but would anybody like to ask a question? Um, it's a small number of people at this point, so you can just turn your video on and ask a question if you want to, or put it in the chat if you don't want to. Um, I'll keep looking out in case someone does have something, but I will meanwhile ask um, Larissa, Ailey and Matthias to say what you hope will be the next step for the Careful Network. Um, where, where will it go next? Maybe um, Matthias, you start and then invite the others. Cool. Um, yeah, we, well, we're kind of yeah, we're working out um, how we can continue building it. And like I said with uh, Nick, who I think I can see has actually joined us. Yes. Um, and uh, Linda like, adding their works um, this month. It's kind of, yeah, I kind of picture it as these, these rings kind of bubbling into other parts and uh, the way it exists on um, Beaker on the peer-to-peer, -peer, it's like there's opportunity for it to splinter off and become all these things that, um, yeah, it would be hard to know exactly what's going on with them, but yeah, hopefully um, it's like continue to, continuing to bubble away into these different things and, and change. Larissa? Well, uh, well firstly, I, I hope it continues, that's, that's for sure. Um, and uh, uh, the future of careful networks for me will be, I suppose, backseated at the, at the present time, but I'm happy to get involved. Uh, uh, even, even, even just by um, kind of having discussions and thinking about together about what what is it that that, that these things mean and uh, and how can they um, kind of be employed to educate um, audience and wide wide public to all the other options that there are out there and uh, and in that way um, uh, kind of invite thinking about how we uh, um, actively engage with technology uh, and how and whether technology can be useful in in kind of and 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 there are many examples again that, that it is but also there are many examples which are kind of destructive in kind of bringing people together to rethink all of this kind of a what seems really urgent everything from mutual aid to stewardship to kind of a, you know how can we look after each other better Thank you. Ailey, would you like to say, and then we've got one question from Nick. So I've just <laughs> stuck an answer to Nick's question. Um, <laughs> just do it, just leave. 
Um, uh, what was going to say? Yeah, no, I think there's having sort of seen everybody's work, it feels to me like there could be some really interesting collaborations in there as well. I'd be interested to think about how that network could actually be used by the artists to collaborate with each other rather than just sort of mm. creating own works. Um, I feel like in the new year, I might be ready to to sort of be in a space where I can cope with <laughs> being on a screen again. <laughs> just a bit of time off and then maybe, you know. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's, I feel there's a lot of potential, really exciting collaboration in there as well. Mm. Thanks very much. Um, I think we need to finish. I'm going to, to just finish without answering Nick's question, but sharing it with the whole group, which is, do we have any advice for how to engage people who may be hesitant to leave the big three platforms or don't yet have an entry point into the stranger parts of the community internet? My biggest issue with Beaker so far, which is a, a platform that this project's been running on, if I'm right, a, a browser, is that right? Um, has been... Um, people's inertia and trying something that doesn't immediately have a critical mass of users or a clear personal benefit. And I think that is the challenge. And I think maybe we might have to leave that as our Christmas challenge and yeah. leave it hanging in the ether to keep talking about collectively in, in the art and tech community. But I hope everyone who's left will join me in thanking very much Larissa, Ailey and Matthias and obviously Shinju as well and all the artists who've contributed to Careful Networks and all the partners. It's great to get an insight into this project. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I just want to just address one quick one. Uh, uh, check out LibreGraphics.club. I'm running occasionally uh, free free workshops for um, software for graphics, uh, oh. talking about alternatives to proprietary software. Wonderful. A little plug. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just think everybody should make it their New Year's resolution to yeah. like, ditch big yeah. tech. Just leave social media, Nick. Just do it. You'll feel so much better for it. Yeah, Ailey actually inspired me when we had our workshop back in September to uh, pull the plug on most things I was in. And yeah, it's really difficult and scary, but it's mostly been Good for you. using more email now. Well, I have to go because I have to go and tweet about this event. So I'll uh, <laughs> be seeing you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Thanks, take Anna. care. Bye, Bye. Bye. You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.